Okay, let's see if I remember how to do this. It's been almost a uh, solid year since I've done a true uh, EP podcast here uh, on uh, the Zone Sports Network's podcast uh, systems, and, and uh, it's, I've missed it. Life gets busy when you're a father of a two-year-old and some other impending, uh, or not impending, but uh, other outside forces happen with the family, including COVID and jobs and and uh, all kinds of drama good and bad in the last year for the Horton family so I'm sorry to have been away so long I'm sure nobody even noticed uh, at least I, I was posting jazz playoff overtime uh, episodes as an EP podcast throughout these last playoffs and uh, hopefully that uh, got the interest peaked once again but I'm Austin Horton executive producer of the Zone Sports Network 97.5 FM 1280 AM radio home of the Utah Jazz, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to continue uh, this podcast. My goal when it first started, I had just, when I started the EP podcast, I just lost my daily show with uh, Tony Parks and Adrian Leiser, and so my goal was to do a podcast every day in the interim until I got a show again. Uh, that proved to be a little hopeful uh, because I still don't have a show and you never know if I will or won't ever again. And I've kind of, uh, not kind of, but I have come to grips with the reality of that and uh, I'm not hanging on it. I, I, I'm happy with the big show. I'm happy with Jake and Gordon. If that's the, the rest of my career is just that, I'm happy to have a career. I'm happy to be healthy. I'm happy to provide for my family uh, and do something that I absolutely love to do. If I get back to a daily on-air gig at some point, perfect. I mean, that's the goal, right? But if not, I'm blessed to be where I am uh, regardless of what that is. And I still have the movie zone. I still have the opportunity here with this podcast. I still do Utah Car Sense. So it's fun. I fill in. Scotty and and Lloyd have been uh, so good to me to let me fill in for Jake and or Gordon when they when they uh, are gone, and I, I help out with the Saturday show from time to time. So I've got a lot uh, going for me. And while I miss Tony and Adrian dearly, and I wish we were still doing that every day, I am absolutely blessed to be doing at least this. All right, I, this today's episode is going to be very much in focus on the lately lately the latest on the Utah Jazz. From front office changes to Donovan Mitchell rumors and, and reports and, and that whole thing. And, of course, we'll leave you with the laugh of the day, as uh, I, I, I want to do. But I want to start, want to dive right in uh, and talk about these comments made on the Hoop Collective podcast. This is ESPN reporters Brian Windhorst's podcast. He does it with ESPN reporters that uh, rotate through, and this week he had Royce Young and Kevin Pilton on the podcast with him. And they talked, I mean, it's over an hour long, this podcast. Uh, but the final, uh, I'll say somewhere between 9 and 14 minutes of the show is about the Utah Jazz. And it starts talking about how Dennis Lindsay uh, stepping out of his role uh, as executive vice president of basketball operations to now take on this advisory role with the Utah Jazz and what that might mean. Uh, they also talk about uh, some Donovan Mitchell news, or I don't know if I want to give him tab at news, but Brian Windhorst poses uh, a situation that uh, might be happening, might not be happening, might happen down the road, might not happen down the road. 
Uh, and then Kevin Pelton talks about the uh, roster gymnastics the Jazz have in front of them uh, up to next season. Let's start, though, with uh, Brian Windhorst's... Uh, well, actually, before we do that, I want to talk about Dennis Lindsay for a moment. I sent this tweet out uh, the, on Monday on the news, uh, on the day that, well, the day after the news broke that Dennis would uh, be moving on to be an advisor for the Utah Jazz. Uh, and Dennis used to join the big show every Friday, like clockwork, uh, from the time he was hired in 2012 all the way through uh, 2017 or 18 season. Every Friday he was on the big show and gave usually 20 to 30 minutes each visit and it was so nice of him. Uh, I think it's a wise thing, uh, just my personal opinion. I think it's a good way to, uh, it sounds negative to say it this way, not control the message, but uh, you are the authority on the team. You are the voice that matters the most in any conversation about that team. And so I think Dennis understood that if he were the one talking about the team the most, that the narratives that would then spin off of his comments would at least be rooted in what he wanted to say publicly about the Jazz, if that makes any sense. I'm doing a little bit of uh, word acrobatic, acrobatics there. Uh, but some would say control the message. I don't think that that's an accurate depiction, but I think that you get the idea from that moniker. And so he, he joined the big show and... It was between the big show and his other appearances on the radio station, just under 300 appearances, mo the majority of 217 of those on the big show. And it worked out to be just on the big show alone, over 73 hours that he spent uh, talking to the jazz fans uh, on the big show on the Zone Sports Network during his uh, time as as head of the front office for the Utah Jazz. So a tip of the cap, Dennis, uh, there's a lot that has and will be said about Dennis Lindsay. I only can tell you what I know about Dennis Lindsay, and that is that he's a gentleman. He's a professional. He is a kind-hearted person. He uh, genuinely cares about those who uh, he will come into his life. He would ask me, uh, about my wife. He would ask me about my child. Uh, he texted happy birthdays and, and things like that. And he's just a good person who happens to be uh, a really brilliant basketball mind. Did he have run-ins with other people in the organization like the Salt Lake Tribune reported? I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I, I think that I know what you know. What Twitter is reported on Twitter uh, is you have to take with a lot of salt, not a grain of salt. You have to take uh, a lot of salt with everything. And there was always these things floating around here and there. But I honestly think that that's normal, if that's the right word to use. I think that it's not abnormal for sure in a professional sports setting for egos and uh, competition and personalities to clash from time to time. And I think that that's the key to success, honestly, is having someone who will challenge you on, on certain aspects and not let it uh, get personal. And I think that that is a good depiction. If, if what the Tribune reported is 100% accurate, I don't think that anything was personal. Uh, I think that there were probably some professional disagreements and difference in opinion and philosophy 
probably as the Tribune pointed to, what they said is that uh, Quinn Snyder wanted to keep a shorter rotation and the front office wanted to see him develop some guys and that wasn't always 100% in line with each other. So, you know, and eventually over time that happens. But Dennis was in the front office for 10, well, just under 10 years, 2012 to 2021, at the head of the thing, at the head of the snake, as it were. Not not a snake in a bad term, obviously, but at, at the, at the, he was the key cog in that machine. How's that? That's a nicer way to say it. Uh, for just under a decade, that's a long time in professional sports. Uh, and that's something the Jazz have always been and always will, I think, be proud of is the longevity that comes, the continuity that comes with being a part of the Utah Jazz organization. So Dennis, I know for a fact, had and will again have opportunities elsewhere in the NBA. Uh, and I and just got to take him at his word right now that right now he's happy to be spending more time with the family, taking a breath, taking a step back, and falling in love with basketball a little bit more again. Uh, I think any of us out there that have a job or even a hobby that we love, at some point you get a little burned out on it. You got to take a step back and realize whether or not you want to keep keep doing it at that volume that you have been doing it. So there's my thoughts. I think Justin Zanuck will be just fine. Uh, he's It's been a, a collaborative effort with Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay for a few years now. Uh, and Justin, I think, will will carry on just fine. It is funny to see so much, as I just mentioned, longevity and, and continuity, so much change happening with the Utah Jazz. It's not a bad thing. It's just different. When you have an owner who is the owner since the early 80s, and then that owner sells, you're going to see some change. Now, the good news is I still believe, as I did at the time of the sale, that the Smith family, Ryan and Ashley Smith, and their uh, collective group of investors and owners, including the Miller family, uh, are going to continue very similarly on that path of continuity, longevity, uh, and, and making things as stable as possible, because that's the smart thing to do, in my opinion, in a small market in the NBA. So there you go. That's the Dennis Lindsay news. Now with that in place, let's hear from the Hoop Collective, just a three short snippets. You'll hear from Brian Windhorst, you'll hear from Royce Young, and you'll hear from Kevin Pelton, each talking about different aspects regarding the Utah Jazz right now, all ESPN reporters. Brian Windhorst is who we'll start with first. He let the world on fire a couple days ago with uh, this comment. Now, the problem is this comment was not played. It was just retweeted and, and part of it and paraphrased, and it was not the full context. And even as I'm about to play it, even as I play it and you listen to it, it is still missing some context because it's a 60-plus minute podcast. We can't play all 60 minutes of the podcast, but I can sample just a few thoughts here for you from Brian Windhorst. So here's what he said. Uh, that lit the the jazz world and the NBA world on fire and a lot of people panicking over Donovan Mitchell and his future with the jazz. I think Dwayne Wade is seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell's desire to stay there long-term. The way Donovan Mitchell saw this season uh, unfold, specifically how his ankle injury was handled in the playoffs, really unnerved him. And um, he was in a bit of a rough spot with the franchise near the end of the year. And look, he's starting a brand new four-year contract, the max. I'm not implying anything, but I, you know, one of the big reasons why Ryan Smith brought in Dwayne Wade as Ryan Smith wanted to have Donovan Mitchell stay in Utah for the long term. Let's just say that 
executives out there and teams out there that are in the hunt for star players. They have Damian Lillard's name on the board, sort of high up, and then maybe down, not high on the board, but down on the sort of middle right side of the board. They have Donovan Mitchell. And look, I think what Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade are trying to do is push Donovan Mitchell off of that board. Say, guys, his max contract is just starting. We've got him under contract. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be more comfortable here. All right, a few thoughts on what uh, you just heard from Brian Windhorst there. First of all, uh, his concern or what he said is about Dwayne Wade being concerned that Donovan Mitchell may not want to be with the Jazz long term. That may be true. It may not be true. I don't know. Uh, I, I do know that Donovan Mitchell, as also talked about in that in that clip, has four years on his contract. He's starting a brand new max four year contract, starting with this next season with Utah Jazz. So he is with the Jazz for four years, in all likelihood, minimum. Uh, now there's things that can happen. Trades can be demanded or asked for or orchestrated or whatever. Uh, releases, all kinds of stuff happens. You, know, you can't predict the future. But what you can see is that on paper, the Jazz have Donovan Mitchell uh, for at least four more seasons. So long-term is a funny relative thing to say because are we talking four years is a long time. I mean, in 2025, 26, the 25-26 season is what will be the final, right? So let's see, 21-22 is one, 22-23 is two, 23-24 is 4, and 24-25 is 4. So, the, so the, what did I just say? Anyway, 24-25 season. That's a, that is long-term. That's four more years that the Jazz have. That is long-term. Now, are we talking about the rest of his career? Well, that's rare anyway in this day and age. It takes a rare personality for, for a professional athlete to stay in one spot for their entire career. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan was even even Michael Jordan played for the Wizards. <laughs> that was a little weird, but but LeBron James has played for three different teams: uh, the Cavaliers, the Heat, and the Lakers. And he might be the greatest to ever do it. That just the idea of a Stockton Malone twenty plus years in in, a, in one spot in professional sports is just a uh, a dying idea. So. Will Donovan be a rare personality that stays in Utah for his entire career? I don't know. But I know that at least in this relative term of long term, the Jazz have him under contract for four more years. Uh, Windhorst mentioned the ankle injury and Donovan's concerns with how that was handled. I think that that's been pretty obvious to everybody. Uh, I, I don't know exactly who said what, when. But Donovan and his uh, people, will say, wanted him to play in game one against the, the Grizzlies, and someone in the Jazz didn't let him. Uh, and, and maybe it was multiple people in the Jazz, and that didn't sit well with Donovan. He has said that publicly multiple times. Is that enough for him to say, oh, I want out of Utah? I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. And yeah, the idea of Dwayne Wade being uh, in part as, as part owner, it could be that he was brought in to uh, help ease some problems between the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell. That could be, but I think if that is the case, I think that's an added bonus. I don't think that Dwayne Wade was brought in as part owner just for Donovan Mitchell. I think that that is like gravy on top of the, the mashed potatoes there because Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade have known each other for a long time personally uh, and have 
have a, a, a relationship. And so why wouldn't you want an NBA legend guy like Dwayne Wade, who's interested in ownership, being part of that uh, company, especially when he's one of your dear friends? So I think that it could be true. I don't think, I'm not saying Brian Windhorst is making this up. I'm only saying what he said and that it could be true. And I think that that's just added bonus though. What I believe to absolutely be true, 100%, is that part about other teams in the league keeping a close eye on what's happening with the Utah Jazz. And why is that true? Because they do it with all of the 30 teams in the NBA. Any NBA team is watching very closely the other 29 NBA teams. And if they're not, then they suck at their job. Uh, And of course, the Jazz are also doing that with all the other 29 teams in the NBA as well. You can name a guy on any team, and the Jazz know more about that guy than you or I possibly know because they do their job well. Doesn't mean that they're chasing after anybody. Doesn't mean that they're going to sell the farm for somebody. It just means that they're doing their job. And anyone would be foolish out there to see these reports or rumors or whatever, at least this transition period in general for the Utah Jazz, and not keep an eye on the Jazz star players and how they're feeling. Because if an opportunity arose for a team to trade for a Donovan Mitchell, why wouldn't they try to do that? Not the Jazz, but other teams. So I think that that's I think that uh, I think that's absolutely true because that's just day to day NBA operation. All right, so there you go. A little bit on the Brian Windhorse uh, comment. It's not as juicy. It's not as uh, scandalous, and it shouldn't be panic inducing like you may have seen on Twitter. But it is something to keep an eye on. It's something to talk about. It is fun to talk about from a uh, basketball fan standpoint. My my personal personal belief and opinion is that Donovan Mitchell has uh, questions, has problems, has concerns, has things he doesn't like about the Jazz, things that he doesn't like about Utah. But I think that those are all fixable things, and it's no different than you or I having problems and concerns with our employer and where we work. Uh, and, and I don't think it's anything that will cause a quote-unquote divorce between the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell. I think that it will be just fine. All right, there was what Brian Windhorst said. Royce Young then added in his thoughts regarding uh, these, these reports and rumors, and I wanted to play that and give you a reaction to what he said. When you have a young star that is on a controllable contract, you are trying to position yourself as much as you possibly can to extend the amount of time that that star remains in your market. And like teams go to extreme levels to try to do this. I mean, we've seen it, especially when you're a smaller market, when you can't just rely on the fact of your zip code to just kind of re-sign the player for you. You've got to accommodate that player. You've got to figure out ways that you can toe the line between catering to them, but also not going too far where you alienate them from their team and you you baby them to a degree. So you know that's where the Jazz, I think, are right now trying to kind of find that sweet spot with Donovan Mitchell. And also, I think it's worth mentioning, too, that like I don't know how much this factors into Donovan Mitchell's uh, feelings about the Jazz, but like you know, there's been issues with within the Jazz fan base that Donovan Mitchell has had to speak out about, whether it was uh, fans saying racist and vulgar things to Russell Westbrook. Um, there's been other issues with 
uh, like the jazz fan base that has popped up where Donovan Mitchell has kind of been placed front and center to kind of have to try to like, you know, be the, be like the voice of reason to kind of calm things down. And so when you think about like, I don't know, I don't know how much affinity for the market that he holds as well, Brian, you know, I don't know if that's, that's something that is, you know, he may, he may love the the jazz organization. I don't really know, but you know, there's, there's been issues within Utah beyond the team that I think that Donovan Mitchell is probably considering. There you go. Royce Young, ESPN reporter, the Hoop Collective podcast. I, I agree with him. I think that it's absolutely normal for markets, especially small markets, to do everything they possibly can to extend the uh, time period that their star player is in their fold, is in their team, in their organization, in their city. And you don't want to baby a player, but, you know, there's obviously some catering that goes on for stars that other guys don't get. Like Donovan Mitchell, for one example, that he has talked about publicly is he's got his own uh, team of trainers and doctors. He doesn't ignore the jazz trainers and doctors. He just wants to take care of his career now and into the future, so he has a team that will be with him no matter where he is, what he's doing. Even if he is in Utah for 20 years, he'll have this own personal consultant team. That is different than, say, a Matt Thomas. Uh, the Jazz are okay, or at least allowing Donovan Mitchell to do something like that. If Matt Thomas came in and said, "I want these; these are this is my own personal doctor," the Jazz are not going to allow that. You see this all the time in all walks of life, but we're talking professional sports here on this podcast. Tom Brady has had his own personal trainer his whole career, and it has caused some drama and problems uh, in New England and out. But none of us know the real behind-the-scenes story. We only see what what comes up on Twitter. Uh, so you don't cater, or excuse me, you don't baby, but you do see some catering happening from time to time with stars, especially from small mar- smaller market teams. But you have to, it's a delicate balance. You don't want to turn the keys of the kingdom over to anybody either because as Jake Scott uh, brings up an idiom that he didn't invent but he talks about all the time, one, t- uh, the, excuse me, one player is not bigger than a franchise, no matter who that player is. And then on that last uh, thing that Young was talking about, about social and political disagreements or issues or concerns that Donovan has possibly has with the state of Utah and the fan base and, you know, the world over. I think that it's true because he talks about it openly. He wants uh, things changed. He wants things to progress. He wants things to be better. I don't necessarily think that if, for example, if Donovan Mitchell were to leave the Utah Jazz in four years, I don't think that he's going to still... Uh, work so hard for the community in Utah when he's in a new spot. I think that this is a product of we have problems in Utah. Everyone has problems everywhere where they are with racism, with social injustices, with political strife. And we have to own it. We have to recognize it. We have to walk up to it. We have to talk about it. We have to progress. Is that ever going to be enough for Donovan Mitchell or anyone else to say, I'm done with this place, I'm out of here? I don't know. That's up to that person. Uh, but I would say that uh, I think the majority of people the world over, including here in Utah, are good, correct-thinking people who are willing to listen, to change, to educate, to help other people learn and educate and change uh, where needed. Uh, especially in regards to race and political uh, injustices. So 
Would that be a reason for Donovan Mitchell to go, that's it, I want out of Utah? I don't know. It's up to Donovan. I don't think Royce is saying that's the case. I think he's just proposing that as a, 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 it's kind of like a gossip topic. And that's about as far as it can go right now there. All right, final thought here from this podcast, The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, Royce Young, and here is Kevin Pelton uh, now addressing the Utah Jazz cap and roster gymnastics they're going to have to probably go through. The challenges get greater going forward because this is a team that is already into the luxury tax uh, for next season if they guarantee Mieone's salary and has Mike Conley as a free agent. You know, Ryan Smith has clearly signaled a willingness to spend into the luxury tax, but it's Salt Lake City that you're not going to the other aspect of not being in one of those major markets is you're not going to have the same sort of local TV and sponsorship revenue that those places have that allows them to pay the tax and how you're going to manage that over the next few years with Gobert making, you know, up to, you know, an average of 40 million on his extension. Donovan Mitchell upward of 30 million on his extension is going to be really interesting because, you know, I think it, it was mentioned in that piece, part of the, the dispute was over recent draft picks not playing much. Well, those guys, when they got a chance to play, didn't necessarily indicate that they deserved that opportunity or merited more opportunity. And they're going to have to find some guys on the cheap to help fill out this bench so you have better depth, you know, at guys 11 through 15 than you've had the last couple of years. All right, a few thoughts uh, there for uh, uh, reactions to what Kevin Pelton had to say. Yeah, the Jazz have a challenge. Uh, they got, I think, in their, my opinion, they have to sign Mike Conley. They have to do that because if they don't sign Mike Conley, it's not like they have money to go and spend it on someone else. They can go over the luxury tax or over the salary cap again and into the luxury tax to sign Mike Conley because they own his bird rights. Meaning. He's been their player most recently, so they can do that. They can't go over the salary cap into the luxury tax for another free agent that they don't have the bird rights to. So they have to do that. That doesn't mean it's going to be cheap, though. Uh, looking at the projection, it's believed that next year's salary cap will once again be $112 million. That could change, but right now it's believed it'll be $112 million. If the Jazz... Uh, let's see, who, right now the Jazz are going to be losing Conley, Niang, Morgan, Ilyasova, Harrison, and Brantley. That money's coming off the books. Uh, and, and Trent Forrest as well. Uh, if the Jazz then, if we just take those players away and look at what the Jazz have on the roster, if they guarantee Mie Oni's contract and Matt Thomas's, they will be at $132.1 million. That is $20 million over the salary cap, and that's without re-signing Mike Conley. Then you get into what luxury tax means, and you know you get charged a certain amount per every dollar you go over. So like for teams between 0 and $5 million over the cap, the tax rate is $2.50 for every dollar over the cap with a maximum of $12.5 million. The Jazz are way over that. They are down in the, the higher because they're already $20 million over, and so for teams 20 million over the cap, the tax rate is four dollars and seventy-five cents for every dollar over the cap, and then increases fifty cents for each additional five million dollars over twenty million. That will certainly be the jazz if they sign Mike Conley. Uh, he's probably gonna get twenty million dollars for next season from whoever uh, ends up signing him. That would put the jazz at 152, 152 million, and they still will have to fill out the roster and the bench. So we're looking at the Jazz 
And yes, they are repeat offenders, as it says in the book. I hate that word, but they are repeat tax paying, luxury tax paying offenders because they've done it for at least three of the last four seasons. So that means the Utah Jazz are going to end up owing $250 plus million in tax on top of the $152 million plus that they'll be paying to their roster. What happens to that money? It gets split up between the rest of the teams in the league. The good news here is that they are allowed to do that, and if Ryan Smith wants to do that with his money and the other owner's money, then that's what they'll do. The bad news is if they lose Mike Conley, if he signs with another team, I don't know where the Utah Jazz fill, fill in there. Uh, they, and, and, and that's where the development or lack thereof of roster players, uh, role players comes in because it just didn't cut it this year. Trent Forrest had some, had some good moments, but he still was really young and really raw. And I don't think he's ready to step in if they were to bring him back on a two, you know, as the starting point guard, uh, you look and just to, I don't need to go over every guy, but the bench just hasn't cut it. At one point, I thought the Jazz were nine or ten guys deep. I think the playoffs proved that they were more like seven or eight guys deep. Uh, and that's pretty good, but it's not championship good. So the Jazz have their work cut out from the, for them on all three of these situations that Brian Windhorse, Royce Young, and Kevin Pelton talked about. But I don't think it's there's any need for a, an overall panic right now from the Jazz fan base, if that makes any sense. I think that for the most part, these are all normal transitional uh, occurrences when a team transfers ownership uh, or you see front office uh, and then you see front office things change, personnel change, philosophies change. I think this is all pretty normal. It's just new and foreign to those of us in this market because we haven't seen it in 30 plus years, uh, almost 40 years actually. And so it's just time to take a breath Slow it down. Understand there's going to be rumors. There's going to be talk. There's going to be gossip. But really all that matters is Ryan Smith and his ownership group and the front office and the players and their agents have to come to the, on the same table on all, these, on, the, on all these topics and topics going forward in the future and then put together a championship team. The Jazz were this close. If the Jazz were healthy, I feel like they would have been a been, – they would have won the West. At least they would have been in the Western Conference Finals. They weren't healthy, and they lost. I don't mean that as an excuse. I mean that as a reason. Donovan Mitchell was injured and still was scoring almost 40 points against the Los Angeles Clippers. Imagine what the Jazz would have done with a healthy Donovan Mitchell, a healthy Mike Conley, and yes, a healthy Rudy Gobert. I think that's the plan. I think the plan is to get it back as close as you can, maybe add an additional wing defender if possible, but with these uh, money gymnastics facing them, I don't know what they will or won't be able to do. Fact remains, it's going to be a fun summer for the Utah Jazz. And stay tuned to 1280-975 The Zone as we'll have it for you each and every day. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Make sure you catch the big show each and every afternoon from 2 to 7 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Catch me on the Movie Zone with Johnny Lightfoot Thursdays at 7 p.m., Saturdays at 2 p.m., and Sundays at 8 a.m., also at 1280thezone.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. And Utah Carson Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon with myself and uh, the good people at Mark Miller Subaru. I'll be back uh, in the meantime, or excuse me, in the near time with another edition of the EP Podcast. Until then, stay tuned. Again, don't panic. 
it's just changes. It's just different. And uh, uh, as the old uh, saying goes, you can't say if things will get better if, cha if things change, but things have to change if they're going to get better, if that makes any sense. All right. Uh, <laughs> deep, Austin, deep. All right. Be back next time right here on the EP Podcast. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> The most selfish thing that a human being can do is leave an empty shopping cart in a parking space. Yeah, if you've done that, shame on you. You're telling me you can meander two and a half miles inside Costco, and the moment you get to your vehicle, you're like, not another step. <laughs> Timed out my physical endurance down to this moment. Can't push it 20 feet, help everyone else out. That's why I don't even care. You guys can try this too. Uh, every time I'm inside a grocery store, I take someone else's cart. <laughs> Do it, full of food, take it. It is so much faster. <laughs> and you get to try new things. <laughs> Do it, it's not wrong. Tell me how that's wrong. It's not stealing. What could they possibly even say to you? Excuse me, I gathered that. <laughs> Just say thanks and they can regather, you know the route. <laughs> and that's how I found out that I like hummus. is not stealing putting an extra bike lock on a stranger's bike <laughs> it's insane that bike locks are legal that they're just available to the public you have any idea the amount of power that you wield <laughs> with your imagination in a bike lock there's so many things. Like, you could just walk past a Baskin Robbins and be like, you're closed. <laughs> it is so arbitrary what we need permission to buy and what we don't. You have to show photo ID in a hobby shop to buy paint. Yet all of us here are just one Amazon click away from buying orange cones and making traffic go wherever we want. <laughs> I don't like buying milk, right? They don't sell any other product that way. You grab a bag of marshmallows off the shelf, all the other marshmallows don't come at you. <laughs> Milk, the heaviest item in the store. They sell on a ramp that's aimed at your face. I pull one gallon off, seven others slam forward. It's 2%. You wanted non-fat, but now you can't put it back. I discovered, though, you push those other milks hard enough, they disappear. The healthy grocery stores, I, I never buy anything from that aisle of barrels. Right? I just don't like how accessible it is to like bare hands or the air. 
Here's what I do, though. I go up to the most expensive granola, and I scoop it into the cheapest one. <laughs> I'm the Robin Hood of Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs>